Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Disney executives. Why go with quality when you can have quantity? Let's dim the lights and start the show. <laughs> Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Gordon Gartrell. Treat yourself to top-of-the-line fashion and arrive in style with a custom Gordon Gartrell design. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where we like to grind up, pick apart a movie, sometimes for the best, sometimes not, and discuss a film, like from not necessarily head to toe, but we'll certainly, you know, talk about what we liked and what we didn't like. But more to the point, how does this hold up uh, cinematically? Are there any applications to life? Um, I always like looking for metaphors, like what does this thing symbolize? Um, because I think really good movies, I feel like often start could also make a really good book. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much rich uh, story and character and it's all a deep world that you're building and the relationships are complicated. Those are things you get out of a novel whenever you can read inside of someone's head. And too often the movies that you and I roll our eyes at are usually going to be something that's very, very surface level that the characters aren't really well thought. They're, they're more interested in like an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like we're more interested in the internal explosions uh, between people. Definitely. I mean, yeah, anything can blow up. Yeah. You know, not anything can, can pull on your heartstrings or, you know, make you feel what someone else is feeling, give you empathy. You know, like those, those are the, those are the good moments. Yeah. That's, I, I remember hearing, I don't remember who it was now. They were, it was some director and they were like, man, I was in a the theater and you know what the, the hardest thing was I could, you can get a laugh, you know, when you're on stage and you're acting, but you know, what's really hard to get is a gasp because a gasp is so unmotivated. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. You can't cue a gasp. Yeah. That's a, wow. it's a really honest earned reaction mm -hmm. and man, Whenever you get those, <laughs> they feel great. Yeah. You know, but you can manufacture a laugh. Like sometimes it's even just polite. Like people aren't really laughing. They're just, they're laughing because everyone else is laughing because they were effectively told to laugh at this point. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I laughed at a movie at home. Right. It's hard. Laughing in a theater is one thing. Yeah. Like you said, around other people, but laughing at home, like that's, that's legitimate. Yeah, there's no contagion, right? Yeah, it's, right. It's either it's funny or it's not, yeah. you know? And usually it's me in my head thinking, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like every sitcom ever. Right. I mean, I can't tell you, like, Seinfeld is brilliant and yeah. hilarious. I don't know if I've ever laughed at right. it out loud, you know? Yeah. That's you know, so the, the only movie that really I laughed at, like, like, my entire life. And if I probably watched it now, if I watched it now, I would probably laugh, you know, pee my pants laughing as well. And I've seen it a hundred times. You know, a movie I'm talking yeah. about. It's, it's somewhat racist <laughs> movie, the sunshine boys. It's, it's I, for whatever reason, that movie, I just lose my mind. It's so funny. Cause yeah, I watched it last summer and I was like, ouch. I, yeah, I think it got yeah. two laughs out of me. And I mean, you're right. There are, I mean, it opens with like blackface, not the characters in blackface, but like all these references. And it's not that, you know, everyone in there is trying to be racist. It's a sign of the times. This was right, made yeah. in the early seventies. And so I can overlook a lot of that stuff that that wasn't going to drive me away. Um, 
permanently. Uh, it was certainly off-putting. <laughs> it made yeah, me like, climb up a hill. Yeah. But yeah, that's so funny because you also grew up on it, right? Like yeah. it was one of those, I'm a kid and I'm enjoying a thing. And now it's got these, maybe it's like these permanent laughters in your head. Definitely. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's nostalgia more yeah. than it's a, like the jokes are good. I mean, you don't think like I'm not, I'm not, uh, making excuses for it, mm-hmm. but you don't think George Burns and you think uh, racist, right? You don't think Walter Matthau and you think racist. You just think hilarious. Yeah. These guys are funny. right. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I, when I watch a movie like that, there are a couple of moments, but I, you know, like, like you said, it's a sign of the times and I don't make a, a case for it at no, all. Right, yeah. it's, tor- it's, it's horrible. No, you but flat out acknowledge it. Yeah, 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 flat out acknowledge it. But, but you know, even if you removed those moments in the movie, it's so fun. Like the yeah. whole time, I'm just rolling at his character. He's just this crusty old dude, <laughs> and I know we're off topic, but he's just this crusty old dude, and 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 that's what I identify with, not identify with, but what I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. is this, this guy, this yeah. Who's even for those times was, you know, like, like way old school, yeah. you know, for the, for the mid seventies or, or whatever. So anyway, but that's an end- endlessly entertaining thing is finding out what entertains other people. Yeah. Like, cause you never know. Like it's one of those things in public, someone might trip and everyone around them laughs. I never do. I just don't no, think tripping yeah. is funny. It's, I don't either. I'm concerned for the person who tripped. Yeah. Uh, but more than that, I just think it's such a, I don't know, stupid level of humor that I'm like, I'm not, you know, an infant. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time we can watch dumb and dumber and enjoy the hell out of it. Absolutely. But there's no tripping really. No. There's a little bit of tripping. They just pee on each but other a little bit. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's good. humor. <laughs> anyway, million dollar baby. <laughs> full of laughs yeah all right so quick quick uh spoiler alert if you have not seen million dollar baby or if you have even but it's been a while i would suggest pausing this the episode going and watching the film and then coming back uh and listening to what we have to say or or tear it apart or disagree or or whatever whatever comes next yeah we'll talk about a few things uh cinematography for sure i'll touch on that and we'll talk about boxing specifically as a metaphor um as it's been used a thousand times over and we'll talk about some other stuff and things and stuff and a quick synopsis of the film a determined woman works with a hardened box boxing trainer to become a professional directed by clint eastwood screenplay by paul haggis Cinematography by Tom Stern, starring Hilary Swank as Maggie Fitzgerald, Clint Eastwood as Frankie Dunn, Morgan Freeman as Scrap, Jay Baruchel, Baruchel, Baruchel as Danger, Anthony Mackie as Charel. Yeah, this is my fighter. Then you got 10 seconds. I keep holding my left up off, then I throw a punch and it keeps dropping. Yeah, I'll let it drop. That'd be a lot easier. She thinks she knows you, that's all. Every time you drop it, she comes right over the top. So you just wait for her, see? That's all she's thinking about. And when she cocks that big right hand, you hear me? I hear, boss. And when she does, you step to the side. Come on, that's big, good night hook. You got one? Got her right here. Okay. Bite her, I'm calling it. Go give it to her. The body knows what fighters don't. How to protect itself. A neck can only twist so far. Twist it just a hair more. And the body says, hey, I'll take it from here, because you obviously don't know what you're doing. 
the way she did that. Yeah. Sugar Ray would do that. Girls got sugar. Lie down now. Rest. And we'll talk about this when you regain your senses. It's called the knockout mechanism. Get all carried away. Man, yeah, I almost got sucked all in. All yeah, I know. Just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. So I'll touch on that in a little bit, but you forgot that you had seen this already. Yeah. Whenever, you know, you, you wanted to cover this. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel rewatching it and obviously refamiliarizing? Uh, yeah, I felt like each scene was, was new, you know, um, I, I, let me just start out with, I love this movie. Same. I just, it was, I've seen it probably a dozen times. Yeah. Hillary Swank is the best part of this movie mm-hmm. for me too. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Morgan Freeman and, yep. and his, you know, sultry voice, <laughs> you know, but you and, really fall in love with, uh, Maggie, right? Yeah, like, man. Like just her innocence, even through victory. Yeah. You know, there's never a moment where she had, where she felt like she had made it or felt where you felt like she does, she deserved it, you know, or whatever. She was always thankful for everything, you know, and loyal to a fault. She was never going to leave Frankie. And, you know, it's evident they show it, you know, she has the opportunity and says that she's never going to. And in turn, he never leaves her, you know, and it's, it's, really this relationship story between them and and it's not even really about boxing necessarily boxing is just the conduit you know and i'm sure we're going to touch on that but uh it was it was beautiful in every way it wasn't slow at, at any point i didn't feel like anything really i mean maybe there's if you want to be like super anal about it, there might've been maybe 10 minutes you could cut, you know, or so I'm sure in every two hour film there's going to be, but for the most part, I felt like, no, like I enjoyed all this, all the moments that happened throughout the film. I thought the lighting was super interesting and which we can get to whenever we talk about cinematography a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we want to, yeah, you can touch on it now. Well, Well, a lot of times when they have like um, a one shot, you know, especially at night uh, or in the evening sometime, either when, when the gym is closed or closing or when he, you know, Frankie's sitting in his car or in his house even, or they're talking, even when they're talking to each other, but there's a one shot, uh, which by the way, a one shot is just when you have one person in the frame, you know, in this movie, they're all almost always, not almost always, they're always clean, <laughs> meaning like there's nothing in the foreground. It's all like in front of, it's just like mm-hmm. the one person. There were like these, a single stripe of, of light across your, their face, right? So yeah. there's the top of their head is dark. Maybe their mouth is is pretty dark as well, but across their eyes, it's this classic noir, noir lighting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, almost noir. Which was, I mean, it just I which I, this I is not. This no, is not no. But I I came to expect it, you know, yeah. because I saw it so much, and it's it is very moody, right? It is very like like that's the kind of lighting you want to to use when you want people to pay attention. Yeah, I know? mean, it's got. Throughout the whole film, like you're saying, I mean, it's, it's very high contrast, which means, you know, there's not a lot of uh, range between the pure whites and the pure blacks. Mm-hmm. Like they, they crunch it down together. And so you add all this contrast and the shadows are really hard. Like everyone's shadow, you can make out their silhouette. There's a lot of strong silhouettes, not only in the shadows, but also in the, in their actual silhouette figures, you know, contrasting against the background. And it's, it's interesting because 
each shot, it's, it's like a spotlight. You know, in a sense, there, there's a spotlight that's hitting them, which is very boxing, right? You I mean, you think about the entrance into the ring and all the lights are turned off and there's, you have the spotlight on the, the parade that's coming to the, the ring, the boxer and his manager and the entourage. Uh, but then even within the ring, like all the lights are there and to some extent it's casting its own shadow, you know, more figuratively because within the ring, there's no shadows unless there's a really high powered flashbulb that is going to capture a shot from a photographer. But each shot is also, seems to be very specifically constructed. I mean, they're going to cover the scene with either like a blocked out dolly move or a steady cam move. And they're going to get this master shot. That's very, there's a lot of movement going on, but it's subtle, it's slow, it's measured and paced. And then they're going to move in to get coverage. And it almost, to me, it almost seems like we're constantly circling the characters like we're in a fight with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and to your point, there's these are all clean shots. And so every character is isolated to a large degree because every character is fighting their own fight. Mm-hmm. And that's such a really interesting, you know, visual language to adapt for a boxing movie. And I don't feel like I've seen any other boxing movie kind of take that vantage point. And in that way, Million Dollar Baby really stands apart for me. And it's probably the the single most viewed movie by me of, of a boxing, you know, genre. Mm. And I mean, I'll just throw this lastly in. Uh, there's a lot of medium wides and mediums, and they seem to save a lot of the close ups for, you know, the more important moments. Um, yeah. Because the closer you get, you know, you can emphasize this is really important by saving it. And you can also connect more emotionally with what they're trying to convey to the people around them. But yeah, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right, man. But that noir kind of feel and the super dark scenes, like they're in the locker rooms, right? Yeah. Oh man. And it also like, you know, tells you look here. Yeah. You know, it takes everything else out of the frame. You know, you know that there's lockers behind Morgan Freeman. He's leaning up against it, but you don't really pay any attention to him because they're so poorly lit. And that's it's dark. such a good point because that's the other thing about boxing. You, yeah. You're, you're in there alone. Yeah. Nothing else is there. And so it's really cool that they're stripping down the image that way to mm-hmm. really isolate the character apart from their environment. And it's just them. Yeah. God, that's a, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of times, so like in, in the scene that I'm just talking about, uh, it's towards the end where Morgan Freeman walks in and he leans, he's, he's talking to Frankie and he leans up against the, the lockers. It's right before Frankie goes to, to help, uh, Maggie yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. He's holding his bag, right? Frankie's hold or his bag is in his lap or next to him or something. And in his bag is where, you know, the drugs are that he's going to, the adrenaline. The, yeah. And, but the shot of him, the shot of Frankie doesn't really show the bag. Like the shot is a static shot. It's on him, right? The bag isn't really lit. It's not even barely in frame. Like, you know, you see him as like before, uh, sorry, Scrap walks in, you see him, you know, he has the needles, puts them in this bag that's out of frame. It's like beneath the bottom of the frame. So, but you kind of saw it, so you know it's there. But they never pan down to it. It's never like a focus. It's just because that's not the thing. Yeah, the thing is here. The thing is in his face. The thing, the part of him that's lit, the little part of him that's lit, and and they never really address that. That's like the afterthought. It's the decision he's right, trying to make. Right, and so they they and they do a really interesting job. And I think you know we sit here and we talk about like oh you know 
they had this kind of lighting to make sure that you think this or whatever. And I, th- I really think that, yes, uh, I'm sure that a lot, a lot of that was like super planned and everything, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's so many shots and there's so much, you know, that you could do. And there's so much meaning a lot of it probably came from a place of, of, I feel like this would be good in this moment. And that's why they go with it, you know? Yeah, because I'm sure they have coverage of all these other things. Yeah. And it's in the editing room where you're kind of making these final choices of, yeah, yeah you know what? This is the story we're trying to tell. Just yeah. stay here on on on, uh, on Frankie and don't worry about the bag. Maybe they got a close-up of the oh, bag. Oh, I bet they you did. Know? You're not going to you know, not get that. Yeah, yeah. But then they get in the editing room and they're like, nope, we don't need it. We got to stay right here. And um, But like, but you know, when we talk about things like lighting and, and styles... Like, I think that that is like definitely thought out and, and very detailed, but there's also this, this, you know, we've talked about it on previous podcasts. We talked about it on the last one. There's also this aspect of, we're going to say that we think this means this because of uh, the way that we watch it. Right. And so maybe they did this, this lighting style for a totally different reason. And we don't know, but, but to us like, Oh, that's clearly because, (laughs) they want us to look there and that's probably definitely it. But you know, people that are professional gaffers and stuff, they just know, right. They're not sitting there thinking like what they want everyone to think all the time. I think they're thinking like the bigger picture story of the actual story itself. Like, I don't know. And a lot of time, I mean, for, you know, these kind of shoots, uh, I'm assuming that the DP has these in depth, the DP, the cinematographer, um, is having these really great conversations with his gaffer. Like, Hey, here's what we're going for. Here's why you probably fill them in on the why, but more than anything, it's the, the important thing is here's what we're doing. Yeah. Just do it. Give, you know, the scene has been des- designed, uh, for hard lighting. And so we're going to go f- Make sure you have, you know, your flags and yeah, oh, a yeah. really strong need a lot of flags. And, yeah. And it's, it's clever. Like it's a, there's so much thought put into these things that uh, are really built around conveying an emotional reaction out of the viewer. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. We, we have no idea exactly why they did a certain thing. It's all projection and what we're trying to take away because maybe they're, they're telling a separate story about how characters are the light for other characters in, in life. Like mm. the, maybe it could be Frankie um, is in a dark place, but uh, he's giving light to, or his light is extinguishing. And that's why that room is so black. Cause he's got very little light left. Mm. Like you can make all kinds of interesting, you know, analogies and, and to understand emotionally why they've decided to visually convey a certain thing. And it's interesting to think about and talk about. And can, could we really quickly talk about Clint Eastwood as an actor? Sure. Because <laughs> there are, he's so interesting. He's always himself. Like he, I feel like pretty much any role he ever has done is really like, this is, this is how I'm going to play this role. Like just him, right? Just him. I, I feel like if I were to meet him, he'd probably be a, amalgamation of all of his roles. Like <laughs> yeah. that's just him. Yeah. There are some really there are a couple of moments that I, that I want to pick out. One moment was when he first kind of starts accepting Maggie, right? She's, she's trying to do the speed bag and it's frustrating the shit out of him. And so he goes over and he's going to help her. This is late at night. So when everybody's left, he, she's trying to do it or whatever. And he kind of like 
it cuts to him and and the bottom half of him is is in light right and the top half of him is completely dark you can't see it at all and then he steps into the light right he step his then he's fully yeah. fully lit i think that's that's really awesome but the way he, he tries to describe to her on how to do the speed bag it was almost obvious that that in a good way right yeah. It was almost obvious that this was not scripted in that way. It was just like, okay, in this scene, you're going to teach her how to do this. You're going to tell her how to do this. I don't think he was like regurgitating lines. I feel like, I feel like it was a, a moment where you actually saw Clint Eastwood trying to teach Hillary Swank to do to hit a speed bag. That's hilarious. I don't know why. And like that's the way just you, the yeah. way the way that he was talking to her. It was like all of a sudden these weren't these weren't actors. This is real life. This is Clint Eastwood trying. To, and I didn't see Clint Eastwood. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah, I'm just saying I felt like it was like super real and unscripted. That's hilarious because I wonder. You know, whenever they're in, she probably had to train for six months. Yeah, because um, by the end of the film, that's one of the things I really like about this film is the technique. Yeah, but definitely. the uh, it's probably you know maybe it was one of their first sessions that he was calling back on that experience of trying to teach her how to hit a speed yeah. bag. Oh yeah, and, I, I think she in real life she knew how to do right, it. Right, but the right. performances are so good that you really feel like God, he's just stop. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's getting so curt with yeah, her. <laughs> it's it's like the the okay now what you're gonna want to do is but whatever and it was yeah. you're not gonna write in a script okay now what you're gonna want to do mm. that's what I mean like yeah. it was very off the cuff like they had an outline for the way the scene was gonna go but it was more of like let's throw away the script we have the idea let's throw away just, the words just teach her how to play do this. Yeah. yes yeah that, so I loved that yeah. right and um. And I, and there were several of those moments throughout the the film that I that I really loved. And then there was another one, and I forgot it. I love his frustration. I mean, throughout the movie, everyone's going through their own fight, right? I mean, Frankie wants his daughter back, and he's still fighting for her, and he wants to believe in a fighter. And even to some degree, you can say he does or doesn't, you know, believe in his first fighter that leaves him. But he's still looking for someone to believe in, and he might even be gassed. Maybe he's not even looking anymore. He just doesn't mm. care. He spent, and of course, Maggie has got a million problems. Like she's wanting someone to believe in her and to be taken seriously. And of course, both of these characters have lost, you know, the role that they're each fulfilling for each other. You know, uh, Frankie lost his daughter, and Maggie lost her father, and those are the only positive parts, presumably, in their lives. Mm-hmm. And Frankie, I, I mean, I really love. They're both dealing with this feeling like you don't have any fights left in you but you're finding something else. And for her, she's just endless. Like she, nothing's going to get her to quit. Literally nothing. And for him, it's finding that life again, finding that ability to keep fighting one more time. And what I love about his performance throughout the film, uh, Clint Eastwood's is you really feel Frankie has no love and heart left in him, right? He doesn't smile. He doesn't care. But then Maggie fights her way into his life. Mm-hmm. And as their relationship progresses, suddenly he's laughing again. So, And it's subtle. They never point it out. They never have a moment where she says, you know, uh, you're laughing or you're smiling, you know, which is amazing because it's so subtle. And you really be, those are the things that begin to sell their relationship is him no longer saying, you know, you're a girl. It's like you're a fighter and you're my mm-hmm. fighter. 
And that's subtle, and yeah. I love subtlety. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we both do. Yeah. Uh, another, okay, I remember the, the moment. Cool. I really love, like, in movies, not just th- like this, but in all movies, seeing things that actually would happen. So, like, not necessarily actions, but, like, reactions that actually would happen that are not that are not a cinematic that are not like, like put in just to make the movie more interesting. Many movies lack this, but it's a a tiny little thing. So when Maggie's mom, uh, or family comes to see her in the hospital, right. To try to like weasel her money from her. Frankie, when he realizes that what they're doing, he goes in there and he tries to kind of, you know, he says, why don't you just leave it? And, and I'll read it to her. And he says it like three or four times, mm-hmm. right? And then Maggie tells him that it's none of his business. His reaction is perfect. His reaction was immediate. Okay, I'm going to go outside. He didn't. He didn't like react to like I can't believe she just said that. Yeah, you know, like I'm. I've been here for her for weeks, standing by her side. I've never left, and now she can tell me. Or I've. I've sat. I've been with her for two years. You know, training her every single day. And I'm like a father to her. Yeah. I can't believe she would say that. No, like his reaction was perfect. It's exactly what it needed to be. He immediately turned quietly, didn't say a word and walked out the door. And he just stood there and waited. Was like perfect, man. Like in that, just that little thing alone sold me on this movie. Like it was real because that's what really probably would happen you know, like, or should happen, yeah. I, I should say, you know, cause he's, he's a guy that's like, he's not going to get butt hurt, you know, about, about, you know, like a relationship or something. He's like, let so, so many go. And even though he loves her, he knows the truth that it's not, it is none of his business and she's strong enough to handle it on her, on her own, you know? Anyway, that was just, a, no, that's moment. awesome because yeah. it is those little moments that, really sell you on a character because we're doing all the flinching. Yeah. I, totally. Right? totally. Yeah. To me, I, I was like, I can't believe she just said that to him. Yeah. Oh man. No, he's, he's like your father figure. No, and, and then you, you know. respect him so much more for totally. just accepting his place. And, yeah. And at the same time, I, you know, it's hard to have that immediate reaction, but I think deep down he already knew no matter what happens, he's still the only one that's there for her. Yeah. And yep. Yep. whatever they say, isn't going to change that. Yep. God, yeah, I love how quiet the film is. There's n- almost no music. True, they have the running theme that they come back to here and there, but it's it's a super quiet film. It's meditative, and you're really just kind of living, inhabiting this world. Um, and in that way, I didn't feel like there was just a ton of they fleshed the world out. Normally, what I'm seeing whenever there a film is fleshing out a world, it's to add to some of the theme or symbolism. They didn't do a ton of that in here. I mean. I love that we don't really have any explanation for why Frankie's daughter won't speak to him mm-hmm. when we don't understand why Frankie is studying Gaelic. It's like he's just doing these things, and these are just scenarios in life. And maybe, if nothing else, it's, it's an excuse for uh, Scrap to tell the story to his daughter, which is cool. I remember the very first time watching this because I was a screenwriter at the time. I wasn't an actor or a, a filmmaker whenever this came out. and I'm, But I remember watching this from a screenwriter's perspective, and I was like, why are we hearing this voiceover? Like voiceovers yeah, is yeah. What, usually one of the, like the, the big no, no's in, in filmmaking, like, because it can be a little hashed and forced and, um, it's just hard to 
do it and have a reason for you why you're doing it. And that's always a big one. And I never figured out, you know, like, why is, why is he narrating all this? And then, of course, the final scene, you, you realize, oh, he's telling his daughter why she, you know, about her father. Because mm-hmm. clearly she doesn't know him for whatever well, reason. She, well, yeah, she hasn't opened any of his letters. And, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. It really builds in that, this idea over the fi- course of the film of who the hell did this guy used to be that he's so unlovable now um, to, to his daughter. And, yeah, boxing. I love boxing movies, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. There's certain boxing films like Rocky. Uh, I love the original Rocky um, and the last Rocky. Everything in between, really rough. I hate the one with the Russian, and I just hate it yeah. because how bad the technique is. And I mean, I did boxing for like a year, and it was fun. I learned a lot. Uh, I would have kept boxing if I hadn't injured my back. I herniated a disc in the weight room and blah, blah, blah. But the ability to throw a punch really suffers whenever every punch you land on a heavy bag like sends a shockwave down your spine yeah <laughs> you need a very st- stable core to, to yeah. throw a punch and land it yeah. and so i just couldn't last but i began to understand technique and you know really l- fell in love with the sport even if not the violence and so watching some boxing movies is painful man because like they're jumping on the ring and i'm like you leave your feet in a boxing ring you're dead. You're going to get laid the hell out. That yeah. is, you just can't win that way. And so they go in, they go into some technique and that's really cool. Um, and I'm sure there's a thousand ways to view boxing technique and stuff, but I really love how the technique and sophistication gets better as the film progresses. And as Maggie progresses, like it's an incredibly technical and mental sport. And she clearly has the mental side down. Like effort is not an issue. But if you've never tried to, whatever, jump rope for an hour straight or hit a speed bag for... For an hour? Yeah. Or hit People a... People do that? Yeah, I would do that as part of my warm-up. Yeah. For you, an hour? Yeah. Like, it's Holy just becomes crap. a thing that you're doing for a while. <laughs> now, my arches started to fall after, I don't know, seven, eight months, and I couldn't keep up that pace anymore. But... Yeah, it became this really fun thing. You learn how to switch foot and all the fun stuff. It was fun. That is a very cool scene in this movie when she's doing double unders. Yeah. Dude, Holy and, crap. And, you know, like you can see how, how cut she is. She's so yoked. She was so <laughs> cut, man. Yeah. And yeah. then I still remember vividly her going to the Oscars during after this film. And she was still, she wore like this uh, dress that you could see her shoulders and they're just popping out. And you're like, damn, girl. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you're killing. Yeah. Um, and so seeing like really good technique and an appreciation for the, 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 the sweet science, as they call it, man, that just made me melt as I began to take on boxing, you know, a few years after this came out. And it just made me want to go back to this movie again and again. But then every boxing movie does a, you know, pretty solid job of using boxing as a metaphor for life. Like every boxing movie does this and I'm okay with it. It's a, it's easy. It's low hanging fruit. And if another hundred do it, I'm going to watch another hundred boxing movies. Yeah. (laughs) Because at the heart of it, right? Life is a fight and you get knocked down, but it's about getting back up and keeping fighting and, and boxing just perfectly epitomizes everything that life is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, to some degree you die alone and that's the other interesting thing about this film is she doesn't. Uh, mm. I mean, you you have to 
die on your own. There's there's no hand holding with that. But it's interesting that she couldn't determine her fate anymore, um, and that became such a pivotal idea uh, and just a pivot in the film. Because the first time you're watching this, you're like you're excited to see her become champion, just like you know the last dozen boxing films you've seen, and for her to go out on top or whatever. And then she takes that fall, which they set up very subtly throughout the film with Mm -hmm. the chair becomes more than a prop earlier in the film, right? Uh, At one point, it's a visual gag when Frankie doesn't even have a chance to set it down before Maggie wins and he's got to put it back in for her to come take her seat. I love that. It's such a great thing. And you're constantly seeing him grab the the stool and set it into the ring. So it doesn't come as a surprise that this is a character in the film. Right. Because it's been a background character. And especially but when, it, but it was always Frankie. It was always Frankie. And this time it wasn't, it wasn't him. And that's, that's tough because yeah. whenever they're in the hospital and scrap goes out there mm-hmm. and he's having that conversation, this is your fault. It goes a completely different way than the way you think it's going to go because you're going to be thinking, Okay, it's his fault. It's Scrap's fault because he didn't go out there yeah, to Vegas. It should have been him there. Should have been him. He would have been on his game. He knows yeah. what's happening in the ring. And instead, it goes to, you made me take her on. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't have even been in her life at all. Yeah. I love that. And it can be a tricky line to ride because as a. Um, as an audience member, sometimes we get frustrated with the things characters don't say when it's so obvious you should just say this thing. Yeah. God, you know, that's so frustrating, but here they do a great job because they go further back. Mm -hmm. They go back to the root. And in that way, they're making a bigger point um, because his issue isn't what happened in the last, you know, week. His issue is what happened six months ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) or a year ago, whenever it was. Um, And that uh, it's a great way to, make us have a thought in our head, but then replace it with an even grander thought. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's really good to me on anyway, uh, writing on Paul Haggis's part. Brilliant moment. Yeah. Yeah. So what, how do you feel to really switch uh, gears here? Maybe there's other stuff you want to talk about, but how do you feel about the whole end of life discussion that this film kind of invokes? Do you think assisted suicide should be, a thing? Um, do you have any strong opinion one way or the other? Uh, um, do you think he was right to help her die? Oh man, that's a, that's a hard question. It is a little question. I mean, you know, I think, I think that it's a slippery slope to say yes, but I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. It's really, look, I, it's your life. You should be able to do, whatever you want with it. That being said, you have to be very careful about making things readily available to people that are emotional beings, right? Because then all of a sudden it's just a decision you make on a Saturday morning where, you know, it's like, man, I've been feeling like crap too many days in a row. I don't want to feel like crap anymore. Where, you know, and I'm not, not dismissing anybody who's felt like crap for a very long time. It's just, it's a ease of accessibility, you know? Yeah. Like making it too acceptable. Suddenly you might be allowing more people to die that maybe they just needed one more day. That's thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas, you know, like if you, if you put a, if you put a 
you know, guns in everyone's hands, more people are going to commit suicide. It's just a fact. And the reason is, is there, you know, a way to die is readily available. A way to die easily and painlessly is readily available. Okay. Um, So do I think in this scenario he was... Uh, you know, I won't use the word right because I don't know what right is in sure. this case. But do I think that he had a? Yeah, I, I think he did. He 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 did what I would like to think that I would be strong enough to do. Yeah, this is. I wouldn't necessarily know how to describe that, except Scrap puts it perfectly. Went to see Manga this morning. You must have been somewhere else. You got a fight I don't know about. It wasn't your fault. I was wrong to say that. You're damn right. I found you a fighter, and you made her the best fighter she could be. I killed her. Don't say that. Maggie walked through that door with nothing but guts. No chance in the world of being what she needed to be. A year and a half later, she's fighting for the championship of the world. You did that. People die every day, Frankie. Mopping floors, washing dishes. And you know what their last thought is? I never got my shot. Because of you, Maggie got her shot. If she dies today, you know what her last thought will be? I think I did all right. I know I could rest with that. Yeah, you put it perfectly. You know, yeah. So I, I, uh, it would have it would have been a big letdown if he didn't. Yeah, you know, at least in the film. Um, and I would I would hope that I would be that strong. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I'd have to be in the scenario. It's one of those things you have to be in the scenario to know if you could be or not. You can say all day. Yeah. No, I think I'm pretty much on the same page. Like I do think people should have the right to determine their own life. Um, at the same time, you definitely want to be careful how easily you make that decision for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I don't think you want that to become this super socially acceptable, uh, way to, to end your you know, to die. Yeah. Uh, that's, there's just too many people with traumatic past that. And so I, I appreciate the, I think we're doing pretty good on that front. Cultural, culturally, not great. I think there's still miles and miles to go about mental health care. Um, and the way we perceive people who have mental health issues in, in a multitude of ways. But I think we do really good about when someone's attempted and failed to, I don't know, mm. bring them back rehabilitate them yeah or something. yeah um, you we know. don't judge them harshly we don't right. like cast them out and say well you know whatever fuck you you know we do a really good job of saying you know pouring love and trying mm-hmm. to understand them i mean we like to uh, hopefully we do i'm sure that there's some lost causes but yeah. you know like soccer players that lose a leg or something where they feel like their life is over yeah you know and if they were to have a the ability to do the to commit suicide um more readily, you know, or assisted suicide more readily, you know, a lot of, a lot of people like that go on to like, you know, be 
uh, motivational speakers and to help millions yeah. of people, you know, like, but they need to get over this basically grieving, a grieving period, you know, find out that they're worth more than she's worth more, you know, more than a, a title, a world yeah, title or what something. what she can do in a ring. Right, right. And I love what Frankie was trying to do. Like, he's like, hey, let's get you back in Scott college. Let's take you to school. Oh, yeah. He's trying, like, to, he's yeah. trying to save her. He's trying to rebuild, yeah. rebuild her, um, give her a purpose. But she was done. She was, yeah, and it wasn't, but she, it wasn't that she was done. I, at least I didn't feel like it wasn't that she was done because she couldn't box anymore. It, they were taking everything from her. Yeah. You know, they were, they, first they took her mobility and ability to breathe. She couldn't even breathe, but then they started taking her limbs. You know, she lost a leg. She was going to lose more, you know, she was. So it was going, she was going to be complete invalid, you know, and she's not learned. She's not like a, like a a Stephen Hawking or whatever, whatever. Anyway. uh, But I, I do love throughout the film, the interjection of the priest yeah. And the relationship with Frankie, where he just pokes at him like the whole time, the whole movie just pokes at him. And the priest is so mad. He starts cursing at Frankie like, God damn it. Um, I don't think he says God damn it, but he says the F word. Yeah. He uh, says you effing pagan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is just so great. It's so great. And then, and then at the end where he's just, uh, I, Okay. Uh, you know my feelings on religion mm-hmm. in general being you know growing up catholic you'd what what i would like to have not like to have seen but what i you know was hoping for right and you don't get it you never really get anything 100% in the film yeah. she never really wins the title you yeah. know like like it's by you, default by so. default you know he never really gets you know he never gets his daughter back yeah. like you know um, and she's kind of his daughter, but not really, you know? And, um, so what you want to hear from the priest when he's, when he's asking the priest for advice is the priest, you know, to, to send love to him. Right. But what does he do? He sa- he doesn't really give you that. He says, he says, you'll, you'll be lost you'll and be you'll lost never, forever, and yeah. you'll be lost forever and you'll never be able to find yourself. That's the worst, like, yeah. That is the most horrible. It's it's a perfect statement from a a religious leader that you would expect, right? Who flat out doesn't believe in in assisted suicide or what or any of that stuff. You can't compartmentalize, right? It just says the Bible says X or my religion says X, and so that's what it is. Yeah. Like that's what you'd expect from a from a dogma person, and so that's what he gives you, right? But what you hope, what you really want is for him to support Frankie and and to show love. Yeah, because I love the way Frankie tells him too. And yeah. It's been an interesting evolution of their of their conversations because even at the beginning the priest accuses him of lying. He's like, Have you written your daughter? And he's like, Every day. He's like, That's a lie. It's a sin. And when, in fact, he's he, been writing he his daughter been, every day. Every day, yeah. And you get to that end scene where they're finally having this real, and he's having his breakdown moment, and he's telling them, I swear, I think it's a sin to keep her alive in, mm-hmm. in this way. You yeah. Know? And I'm doing it. I'm killing her by not killing her, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, I I think that's a that's such an interesting thing to add to the script, and it, it really fleshes out the idea of, 
the morality? Where should we be getting our morality from? And I, yeah, I think situational moments call for situational decisions. And I'm such a gray area person in life and I can see two sides to every story and all that, but not every, there, there is no, you know, one size fits all solutions for almost anything in life. Yeah. And especially when it comes to something like this, where you're, you're fulfilling the wishes of someone who's clearly made up their mind. Yeah. The only question is, are you going to make it easy for them or not? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it's a, it's a really interesting movie and it's one of those things that it catches you by surprise and it has a lot to digest, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, so you, you felt like he did the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I wish you would have smothered her instead. No, I was just kidding. Oh, I'm, dear I'm, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I mean, he kind of did. <laughs> That's true. He I was did. just trying to add levity, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he did. I, I really do. Um, I think that's, that was the right decision and it was her decision. Yeah. You know, just because he's the hands doesn't mean that it was his, his choice. Yeah. Oh man. Very, very much so. Right. And I, that scene where he does it was really emotional for me watching it. I did. I really did not think it was going to be, I thought, okay, this is, you know, whatever. Um, because what, because contextually too, like this just popped in my head. We have to thinking about Maggie as a character that has progressed from A to Z, right? She survived against all the other odds. She's beaten her shitty family, her bad upbringing. She convinced this coach. She's never quit once on anything. He says she's weak in an area. What does she do? She goes to the gym. She ties ropes to her ankles. She's going to wrap her left around her face to keep her from dropping it. And she's going to do everything above and beyond. He says, take, you know, the week off. She's back in the gym. She has zero quit in her. And so whenever you take that into account, she gets to that end of life for her to say, no, it's time for me to quit. Now it's time for him to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh man, I don't don't know. That was really, that was, that was really insightful and, and true. Oh no. Yeah. I remember it was really emotional for me watching that. Yeah. For whatever reason, I was thinking of my daughter because I was putting her in the place as his daughter. Wow. And she, you know, in this story, she's more of a daughter than his actual daughter, at least in the story. Yeah. Right. Right. And so basically she is his daughter and, um, and she's just so lovable. I mean, you cannot help but love her as a character that, and like innocent, it was really great to see a, like a heroine who didn't like seem to grow up as she learned. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like every single, not just heroine, but hero, you know, they, they find out new information or they, they get a new skill or something. And all of a sudden they, they have this, this, this like swagger at the end of the film or they walk differently they, or they, they act differently or they, they know more now. She never had that. Like she was always this, this sponge, this little kid. You always, always felt like she was this little kid, even yeah. though she was 32 years old. <laughs> and, uh, even at the end, just her little jokes. And I think it was the, just the, the simplicity of the way she thought, you know, she's from the South and she's very, very simple minded. She didn't go to a lot of school. So she didn't ever think that she knew more than anybody ever. And that made her so lovable 
that you couldn't help but identify her with somebody else that you love. And my little, my little girl, you know, like so innocent, she had the innocence of a, of a, like a child. And so I, I was relating my little girl to her and man. So when he kissed her, when he leaned down and kissed her, it was so, Oh God, I feel that I felt it. it. And the way they shot it, the simplicity, the silence was so quiet, you know, except for the beeping, you know, of the machines and stuff and her, you know, last breath was, yeah, man. It's pretty powerful. It really was. And it just, man, until... And they keep doing the the lighting thing as as that ending progresses. He's constantly being more and more swallowed up in the blackness as he's dealing with, you know, these decisions. And uh, my favorite thing is, you know, he ends up at the diner Mm -hmm. where they ate. And uh, she had these fond memories of her and her dad. And so he felt like he could go and take that place yeah. and stay connected. Yeah. And she, it was almost, it was also almost like, so when the, the priest said, you'll, you'll lose yourself, you'll never find yeah. yourself again. I think he, if there was any truth to that, he embraced it. Yeah. And he said, fine, you know, fine. I'll sacrifice myself to let her go. And so that's why he never went back to the gym. And, yeah. and he just was, that's really interesting because if you you think about that, you know, in, in the context of church, he's becoming a Christ-like figure yeah. by taking her sin into his hands. Yeah. And he almost martyred himself, yeah. you know, like I guess his yeah, the the, the self he was, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. And that's that's such a profound statement whenever you're talking about uh, a priest telling someone to not sacrifice for someone else. Because to me, it also, you know, calls back to Jesus and the Pharisees. And what does it actually mean to follow God and to follow the Torah and um, the Bible? And there's, there is a higher law at play, even religiously, mm-hmm. that sometimes we get too caught up in, in the scripture versus, you know, the intent yeah, uh, this isn't a. This isn't. It's not supposed to be a rule book. I don't believe. I never believed, and especially now that I'm not Christian. <laughs> but even as a Christian, I never believed it was. It, there was there was a spirit to it. There was a grace to it, and so I think you know from the standpoint of the film, that's what they're trying to call out. That mm-hmm. you know this isn't necessarily about following the letter of the the law here. It's it's about finding the grace and the spirit of the law. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Anyway, there, I mean, there's a lot of metaphor in it, but yeah. in this movie, but it was just, you know, a, a really beautiful story told with a lot of, uh, a lot of like, like these tiny little moments that, you know, we could call up 20 clips right yeah, here easily. of like, Oh, this was awesome because of this little thing or that little thing or, or whatever. And, and you still have, I mean, the whole storylines that we didn't get to like, uh, Charel and danger, um, mm-hmm. Danger is such a good one because yeah, it's the one positive upbeat. It's like you know what, just because Frankie you know fought his last fight doesn't mean everyone has like Danger. Yeah. He's like you know what, I was thinking about what you said, Scrap, and uh, everyone gets knocked down once. <laughs> you know? Everyone loses yeah, yeah once. <laughs> oh, everyone can lose that. one fight, and it's a weird character because he starts out dropping in bombs. You're like, damn, bro. Not a fan of you, but then you immediately see how yeah. simple he is and um, how unoffended or uh, loving scrap is still 
in regards to him. Yeah, um, because he he's so dumb yeah. that like he doesn't know that that's yeah. You're not supposed to say that word, man. That there's a lot of weight behind that. Yeah. But he doesn't know. It's just like uh, this is a word. Yeah. Just this is like, the way we talk. Just like a word is a word, and <laughs> and that's just it. But yeah, man, I forgot about him dropping the N word like seven times. Yeah. Man, golly, and yeah. So my first thought, of, man, was God. This guy is so dumb. Um, or just so it's not even dumb, just like, like he's completely innocent. What a hor- yeah. It was just like, wow, you're being really horrible right now. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, he's, he really is dumb. And, and um, how endearing is the last moment. One of the last moments before he gets into the fight with Charrell when he's like, I got to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. I don't want to sound stupid, but how'd you get all this ice in here? Okay. <laughs> that was a little bit. A little over the top. That was a little over the top. I, I mean, I do like it, yeah. I, and I laughed. I did chuckle. Yeah, I did chuckle. Uh, but I was like, "Come on, nobody that's that old, you know." Like, it's obviously you, you put it in a freezer. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, but I get it. I totally get it. The, uh, the what the goal was the goal was to show more communication between the two. Yeah, and scrap being kind to danger and danger being the kind of person that needed that, you know, but I will say, I hope that I am a day uh, that, that da- I am a danger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like most of the time I am, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just doing stuff and I'm just doing it with all my heart. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it works out and, and I, I catch a break or like something good happens or whatever. Or I do something well, but you know, like there are so many people that are so much better than me. You know, yeah. I, I don't belong in the ring, but I'm going to get in anyway. Heck yeah. And I'm going to swing and I'm going to go down swinging. I feel like that's been my whole life for sure. Right. Yeah. So I feel like it's most people's lives. Yeah. You know, if they're really honest with themselves, most people, you know, it's that, it's that inferiority complex kind of thing, Yeah. but not because he didn't think he was inferior. That's true. You know, he, he knew he could, win the title if he just had the shot yeah right yeah i think maybe that's like that's what we should all yeah embrace a little bit right foolishly believe that we can't actually do anything totally like give me that shot give me that million dollar budget i'll make you a movie yeah you know what i mean like yeah that's awesome be a danger everybody (laughs) i love that god damn it (laughs) awesome so any other thoughts notes before we i mean no i i could i could probably come up with a few things, yeah. but it would just be harping on some of the, yeah. you know, the, the bigger stuff that we talked about already. So what are you going to recommend for the week? Uh, I'm going to recommend what you brought up earlier, Rocky. Oh yeah. 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 I'm glad you liked the first one because it's That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, like raging bull or like, you know, there, there, there's some really great, you know, boxing movies, but oh, man, I just, I remember watching that movie for the first time and feeling like, like I could do anything Yeah. if I just worked my ass off and I wanted it more than the other guy, I could be the underdog, you know, I could beat the, the best, you know, and, and I still feel that way. And there's something you know about that story that, that I think everybody can relate to, but it does such a good job of really setting up who Rocky is and where he is. I mean, everything 
you know, from the lighting to the set design to his acting. I mean, and the story behind how this movie got made. Oh, it's incredible. You have to just go, I'm not even going to say it. Just go look up what Sylvester Stallone did to get this movie made. And it will, it will inspire you like the movie inspires you. He was that guy. Yeah. In every way. It's so just, it's just, it's just a boxing was a metaphor. Yep. You know, I mean there, I think there's a story behind the story too. Oh, like, like it was a, a about a guy named oh, Rocky interesting. or and simple. It, okay. Maybe it wasn't Rocky, but it was about another fighter. I know. He, well, I was about to anyway say backstory to the Rocky film, but yeah, it really is yeah. amazing in every single way from how he wrote it to how he got it funded and mm-hmm. how he got the part and the directing, part. like all of it is just so damn cool. Yeah. I'm going to recommend. So one of the cool things about, Million Dollar Baby was whenever I was typing up show notes, I realized that Paul Haggis wrote it. And Million Dollar Baby, if you don't know, won 2004 Best Picture. And Crash was the best picture for 2005. So back-to-back years. And Paul Haggis wrote both of those, and he directed Crash. And I was like, man, that, that's got to be like the best year of a guy's life. <laughs> yeah, right? Jeez. <laughs> so write one, and then you're like, yeah, now I'm going to direct one. <laughs> And so I think he's a really fantastic writer. Um, there's an old TV show that I loved, uh, probably from around that same time, actually, that's called The Black Donnellys. And I I watched the when the first episode aired, I watched it and was just crazy about it. And it only had one season. But I think it's a really good show. I'm probably going to go back and rewatch it. It's one of the only, it's the only TV show I think I own. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I think maybe I own the second, someone gave me the second season of Game of Thrones and, and the Black Donnellys uh, and The Wire. I did ask for The Wire on for Christmas a while back. So it's one of the three. And it, to me, it's in the company of The Wire and Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to recommend that. It's about these uh, brothers in New York um, who deal with some things. And so. Cool. Yeah, check it deal out. With some things. <laughs> Surprising that a story has people doing things. <laughs> but anyway, so stay tuned. Next week, we are going to be skipping over to the 40 year old virgin. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to be fun. This yes. actually came out of a conversation that Todd and I were having about uh, how we label genres. And oh, it, yeah. It, oh, we're okay. going to have a really fun conversation about pinning down. Uh, comedy versus romantic comedy versus romance uh, dramas and so yeah stay tuned for that Uh, don't forget to subscribe review us on itunes as we always say and if you want to leave a note on this episode uh, feel free to do so tell us about what your thoughts are i mean that can really explode so like Mm -hmm. measure your words Um, or don't or don't don't care i guess again filter whatever i think i do um but yeah, if you have thoughts or notes, drop them in the comment. If there's something you want us to cover, a film, uh, feel free to do so. You can do that at the com slash million dollar baby. And our quote of the day is by Muhammad Ali. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Yep. I feel like this movie, going right back to the finale of the film, is really making that point mm-hmm. in, in a much more you know subtle offhanded way that yeah okay she was what 32 33 when she died but she lived a really full life in that short amount of time and she had no regrets like this was the way she was she was good she was fine to end it and i think 
I, I, I'm really drawn to movies that remind us of that, that idea that it doesn't matter if you live to be, you know, a hundred or 20, like the only real question is, are you making the most of what you have? Yeah. And if you're thinking, I'm going to live it up whenever, you know, I, I retire, that's going to be the time I really start deciding to live my life the way I want. Maybe there's another way to live it. Maybe there's another way to decide what it means to live. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things uh, is I, okay, I say it's one of my favorite things and I'm going to butcher it, but it's this idea of uh, whether it's Rome or Greece in general, that when someone died, you know, what the only real question that they would ask was, uh, did he live with passion? You know, and it's, are you living passionately? Are you living? Plato, I think, uh, said that the unexamined life is not worth living. Mm. And so take stock. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we might've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but, or, or a thousand <laughs> or a thousand, but the, uh, um, I saw Steve jobs did a keynote at a graduation mm. thing for Stanford. Uh, we've talked about this and he said he would wake up every day and ask himself in the mirror if t- he today he was going to do what he wanted to do. And if the answer too many days in a row was no, then he would change whatever he did. And I think that that's really important. It's not like, you know, look, you're not going to want to do what you want to do every single day. No. But if it's too many days in a row and that's a subjective thing, you know, that could be a year, that could be a month um, to some people. But if it's too many days in a row, just just change it. And it's easy to say, right? And harder to do maybe, but maybe not in some cases. That conversation was a, played a very large role in why I left corporate America. Hmm. There you go. Oh. Wait, that conversation? Yeah, whenever you mentioned that quote, because I'd already seen it. I mean, when he did that keynote, that thing spread like wildfire. Yeah. Um, But it was just so good. that How do you pull one thing out of there? But it was in one of our conversations at the gym, and you were talking about that quote. And um, I was like, yeah, that's a really good point. And that triggered, you know, me reevaluating, am I happy doing what I'm doing? And um, I mean, it was still, I don't know, six months later before I made my move. But um, it's was the the pebble that became you know an avalanche well good for you man and that was how many years ago seven Uh, seven eight years ago seven eight years ago man that's awesome and you've been a filmmaker since yeah (laughs) see and that's the that's the thing it it like you don't know where it's gonna take you don't know where it's gonna take you and that's the that's the fun of life man you know like um and obviously like i said that's easier for some people and harder for others, easier for some situations, harder for others. But that might be a perceived difficulty, you know, like it might be like a, a security blanket kind of thing Mm -hmm. and not like a, this is really hard. You know, if I wanted to quit my job tomorrow, it would be a security blanket thing, not a, this is really difficult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, so there's, there's the realities of life for sure. Right. It's something actually hard or is it just hard because you're comfortable where you're at, Ooh. you know, and being comfortable and being, being like, like successful are two very different things. Usually. Absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot of very comfortable coffins out there. <laughs> wow. That was really good. Can we use that for the quote next week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn, bro. Laying it down. 
All right, we're going to go on a rant yeah. here. So, <laughs> like we said, next week we're going to be doing the 40-year-old version. Please make sure to subscribe, review, share us with your friends. Uh, we do this for you guys. So if you're not listening, then we're just, you know, talking to ourselves. And, and that's just, that's, that's crazy talk. <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Yeah.